Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody, from a warm San Francisco on uh, Saturday, April the 23rd. It's a lovely day here. The headlines in the newspapers are less lovely, of course. Lots of images from Ukraine and various kinds of Russian atrocities of one kind or another, uh, both in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, the two newspapers of authority. Lots of debate about Russian culture, lots of reaction against Russian culture in America. There have been a series of articles about whether or not Americans should boycott Russian culture. I think that is short-sighted and vindictive. There's no reason to punish a Russian creative class. And today we're going to be talking about Russian culture, at least indirectly. Uh, Russian ballet is a remarkable art form. Uh, it's not, not all ballet, of course, is, is Russian, but much of it is, and much of the, the greatest ballet is Russian from the Imperial Russian Ballet, to the Ballet Russe, um, to the Bolshoi, everyone has heard of those. Many of us have been lucky to see it if we've been lucky enough to go to Russia. Many of Russia's greatest creative geniuses, Tchaikovsky, for example, wrote specifically much of his wonderful music for the ballet. The same is true of the great um, Stravinsky. Um, and many of Russia's most remarkable cultural figures were somehow associated with the ballet. Georges uh, Balanchine, uh, the Wikipedia entry suggests that he's Georgian. I'm not quite sure of that. Uh, he was born in St. Petersburg and seems to have at least um, inherited much Russian culture become, before coming to America. Is perhaps ballet's greatest modern choreographer. Many of you will be familiar with his wonderful ballet uh, Serenade, um, uh, the music of which is uh, Tchaikovsky's great uh, Serenade for Strings, which I've just been listening to this morning. We're really lucky to have a new book out about Balanchine and about Serenade by an ex-dancer, Tony Bentley, who is joining us from uh, Palm Desert. Um, I'm sure it's much warmer down there. Uh, Tony has poured her love of Balanchine and uh, ballet into this book. Uh, Tony, I, I don't want to spend, I, I don't want to make this into a political conversation, uh, but what is your opinion of those people who say we, because of what's happening in Ukraine, we need to ban all things Russian? Well, I mean, that's patently ridiculous. Um, historically and otherwise, it's the, uh, I, I'm not going to get political either, but it is the, the current um, powers that be in Russia that are uh, perpetrating the evil. Um, artists, as you know, one of their leading uh, Bolshoi ballerinas has left the country because of what's happening. Um, and George Balanchine, uh, who I danced for, who this book is very much about in his ballet Serenade, um, many, many years before, also fled Russia in 1924. Um, and uh, to, to your point, he was born in St. Petersburg. Um, he claimed to be Georgian because his father was from Tbilisi and he had Georgian blood. And he became American in 1939 and um, 
you know, he lived through the Bolshevik revolution. So he fled as artists now are fleeing. So uh, there it is. So this book is a book about ballet. It's a book about uh, Balanchine's treatment of, of Serenade, but it's also about your relationship, your memories of him. Tell me how you became a dancer and, and, and how much time you actually spent with him. Um, well, I became a dancer like so, I started ballet the way so many little girls around the world do at age four, taking a once a week ballet class. I was not at that time or for a number of years bitten by the desire to be a ballerina. I thought ballet was only for little girls. Where did you um, grow up, Tony? Um, I was born in Australia. I'm, um, I am not American though. I've lived in America all my life. I'm uh, Australian and German. Um, I took my first ballet class in Bristol, England, um, and then came to America when I was six years old and grew up in New York City, where I had, I went to Balanchine School of American Ballet and the company. So that's, it was in New York City that I had that life. Um, and I danced professionally with the company for 10 years in the last 10 years of his life. So I was very fortunate. Um, as uh, you probably know, it's a very, very arduous profession starting at age. I basically had a, became professional uh, psychologically at the age of 10, taking two ballet classes a day, then three, then four. Um, once becoming professional in the company at age 17, I didn't go to college as most professional dancers don't, ballet dancers that is. Um, uh, we were in the theater 12 hours a day, six days a week. Monday was our day off and many of us took class even on a Monday. So it's uh, like being an Olympic athlete, but for years and years, not for a single uh, Olympics. I assume you're happy you did it. Are there any regrets about investing so much time being sort of sucked into that in in intensely disciplined world, which disappeared from you you became since 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 being a dancer you've also become an acclaimed author um you were injured in your 20s which isn't unusual is there any element of regret what would you say to parents of young girls perhaps who are watching this um i have two answers there for myself um and it's very clear in my book i have less than no regrets including my hip injury and everything. And the simple answer there, which is why the answer to uh, people watching now and thinking about their daughters will be different, um, is that I got to be in Malanchine. Um, he was the, not only the greatest dance maker of the 20th century, but in all of ballet history, which is only about 450 years old, a very young art compared to poetry, sculpture, architecture, except writing, um, there have been two great, great men, and that is uh, Marius Petipa, who was in fact French, though he made the cornerstone ballets in Russia, and George Balanchine. Um, Balanchine is, uh, is the equivalent in classical dance of Shakespeare, and I'm not saying this because I danced there. Many, many people, everybody would agree. So therefore, how could I possibly regret having grown up in his world his ethics, his teaching, the extent and the depth of beauty that he brought to the stage and to our lives uh, was utterly life-changing. I, in every part of my being, physically, emotionally, socially, and most importantly, morally, and of course, discipline-wise, 
came from the world of George Balanchine. So I am nothing but grateful, um, including the incredible hard work. Um, I believe discipline, one could have a discussion how discipline is the cornerstone, I think, of having a good life. Um, as for now, George Balanchine is long gone. Um, I don't have children. If I had a daughter, I would let her pursue it to the extent that she wanted to, but I would never push her to be a ballerina. It is a very hard life, and I dance for a great master. And right now, while there's all kinds of things going on, and it's an art form that will continue because little girls will always want to dance, as do big ones, um, uh, I would not particularly encourage it. And my parents being academics, my mother was a lawyer, my father's a scientist, my brother's a scientist, they were quite happy even back then if I would have gone to college, but I, that wasn't my fate. And I'm very, I'm very glad about it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Tony, um, you, you suggest that Balanchine is one of the two greatest figures in the history of ballet. There are many other Russians, of course. Uh, Boryshnikov, uh, uh, Diaghilev, uh, many others. Uh, what is it about the Russians that made them embrace this art form? I mean, my rather simplistic theory is that life in Russia was so, particularly in later 19th, early 20th century Russia, was so ugly on so many levels. And mm -hmm. Ballet is so beautiful that it provided this astonishingly vivid contrast with real life. Is that too simplistic? Is there any truth in that? Um, there's some truth in it. What I would add is that one has to take into account, without getting into details, the history of ballet. Ballet, as uh, you know, all the terms are in French. Ballet was invented at the court of Louis XIV, and he danced. And it was, um, when, one might say that we might not even have had the art, or in the form we have it, without Louis XIV. He started the first national ballet school in history. And so ballet was, um, and it was all paid for from his, you know, his, the coffers of the king. He was the sun king, his great entry into history as the sun king was in a ballet. And he danced for 20 years and took class every day himself. From there, uh, Marius Petipa is the man who made ballet Russian and, and following from that, as you say, was, is uh, George Valanchine, uh, Nijinsky, uh, more in our time, uh, the, the great Mikhail Baryshnikov, Nureyev, all of these people came from the great school in Russia. And that happened because Marius Petipa, a Frenchman, was went to Russia in the uh, late 19th century and made the famous cornerstone ballets with Tchaikovsky, Sleeping Beauty, uh, he redid Giselle, uh, Swan Lake, La Bayadere, the Nutcracker. These are the cornerstones of classical ballet and they were all made in Russia. So you can see that there was this conglomeration in Russia. Now in Russia, like at the court of the Sun King in France, the czar put all his personal money into the making of the ballet. It was not paid for by the state, whatever that was during imperial times. Um, when George Balanchine was a student at the school of the Imperial Ballet School, he was basically like a member of the czar's court. So one thing that has to be remembered is that ballet has, is intrinsically an aristocratic art that has its two great places before Balanchine brought it to America, France and, uh, and czarist Russia. Um, 
considered this a very high cultural art and it was like a, their Fabergé egg. So the amount of money that was spent in this extremely expensive art that is transient, you don't even have a sculpture left at the end of it. It's a single performance and, it, and then it's gone. Um, was, uh, and this is why it's really because of Marius Petipa that ballet became Russian. And when Balanchine uh, left under the Bolsheviks, he was briefly with the great Diaghilev who launched Balanchine's career in Europe. Balanchine brought it to America and during Balanchine's time, ballet became American. Um, uh, so those are in, in, you know, I'm uh, condensing some of the history there, but those are the three great centers where ballet has flourished. So it was, um, it was because the King of France and the Tsars of um, Russia loved ballet that it has become so. Balanchine's great contribution intellectually was uh, a new form, what is known as neoclassical ballet. What is that? And is it clear that he was the champion of this? Did he essentially invent a new form, Tony? Well, um, so the basics of classical ballet, the bar we take every day with all the French terms, plié, rond de jambe, frappé, all these, these things that make up classical ballet, they are the same that were invented at the court of Louis XIV that we do in Balanchine School today and that I did you know, during my career. So the format is the same. This term neoclassical is, an, is um, it's fine, but it's not Balanchine's term at all. It's what they came to call the more modern ballet. Um, the best thing, the, there's many components. I'm not sure what Wikipedia says about it. I don't use that term because what we're doing is classical ballet, but we're doing Balanchine's. What he did, broadly speaking, compared to the 19th century classics that I mentioned, like Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, these tended to be giant three-act, all-evening extravaganzas with a lot of mime, hundreds of uh, people on stage, a lot of acting between the dancing, a lot of props, a lot of, you know, sometimes uh, back in the Tsar's day, they had moving stages, they had real horses, real fountains on stage, things you don't see anymore. They spent so much money on the art form. Um, so what Balanchine did is streamline the art. So his ballets, famously like in Serenade that my book focuses on, is also Tchaikovsky music that was not written for a ballet. It was written uh, not, and it wasn't even, it was something he composed out of, his, as he said, his, uh, love. He wasn't commissioned for this piece. And it's 32 minutes long, and it contains pretty much of all, all of them, um, all of everything about ballet is in it. And as I talk about in the book, it famously has no story. There's no props. There's no, you know, changes of scenery. We're in a blue background, simple blue costumes. The, the lead dancers and the core dancers are all dressed the same. You can't tell them apart. And Balanchine famously said to this ballet that has a great deal of drama in it, he famously said, there is no story. And I take that on in my book because of course there's many, many stories. Um, so the neoclassic, uh, and, and it's very much maybe represented um, in some of Balanchine's ballets, uh, that are the leotard ballets, where he took out scenery, he took out costumes, he took out everything and people- so it's, a, it, it's, it's a aesthetically pure, a, 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 a radically uncompromising form that takes out narrative and just focuses purely on movement and form. Is that right? Exactly, exactly, Andrew. Yes. And was it controversial? Were traditionalists angry with 
the way he purified it? Um, well, so the kind of the Martin Luther of the ballet world. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, initially, as with anyone who's doing something radical, um, initially he started choreographing when he was 16 years old, still in Russia. Hit the first piece he choreographed was um, uh, caused a, a scandal. Um, it was a pas de deux that was what we would consider quite sexy. The girl had her hair down in a ponytail, which was radical. The music, it was called, the piece was titled Ecstasy, and the man was throwing her above his head and running off with her. It was very dramatic. So from those days through, I would say, the 40s and 50s, Balanchine was criticized all along the way. And then eventually he came into living legendary status in the sort of 60s, 70s, and 80s, around more of the time period that I came in, um, where people uh, realized, you know, that he was a great genius. Um, How much was he led by the music? And you know, Serenade of course. Um, Serenade of course is 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 based on the Serenade for Strings by Tchaikovsky. Um, what was his opinion, for example, of Stravinsky and his more modernist interpretation of music? A very dramatic shift from Tchaikovsky. Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, for example, was very controversial as well. Yes. Well, um, Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky were Balanchine's two most adored composers. So Tchaikovsky died um, a matter of years before Balanchine was born, but in the same city. Saint P he said, we are both St. Petersburgers. Um, and Balanchine made a total of 21 different works to Tchaikovsky's music, uh, most of it not written for the ballet. Um, in his lifetime, his most famous, easily, collaboration, and also on the part of Stravinsky's, was with Balanchine. Um, and, they, and they knew each other. Balanchine adored him. They had some years between them, but many dinners, a lot of shots of vodka, and many um, worked on making... Stravinsky wrote many ballets specifically for Balanchine. This was one of the great collaborations of the 20th century. So, I mean... You know, Balanchine adored Stravinsky, the man, the music, and we have we did Stravinsky festivals um, to celebrate Stravinsky after he died in 1972. There was a famous week of, uh, I don't know exactly how many, maybe 24 premieres of, uh, of Stravinsky's music. Balanchine is described as a choreographer, which is essentially a director, a movie director, and a movie writer or an adapter all sort of rolled into one. Is that fair? Yes, yes. He's in a unique position. He chooses the dancers. He chooses the music. He chooses the steps. He chooses the costumes. I mean, Balanchine was a, without doubt a benign dictator. And it's an unusual thing. As I mentioned before, other artists can mostly do their work pretty much alone. You know, a writer, poet, sculptor, painter. Right, they can be in the studio, but as I, I think I've written before, but dancers, Balanchine couldn't make a dance without dancers, and that means all the training, all the school. You see what? Like, oh, it's so expensive, right? Uh, and he has to have dancers that he can work with in a studio in time, um, on union time, as he used to say, to make a ballet. He would always say that dances don't exist without the dancers. But uh, in our theater, he made every decision. He chose each one of us to be in the company. 
he uh, he would fix our headpieces before performance. He would go over the costumes with the various costume designers, mainly Madame Karinska, who was his greatest designer, also Russian, by the way, Madame Karinska, um, who designed for Hollywood and, and many other places as well, um, who also fled uh, back during the Bolshevik time. And um, uh, yes, he it was his entire creation. Um, yeah, a great deal of uh, power, emotional, physical, perhaps even sexual for people watching this. Here we have some images of him when he was five in St. Petersburg and when he was on stage, a remarkably charismatic, attractive person. Uh, the Wall Street Journal review of your book uh, describes it as a, a heartfelt love letter, but not everyone is as loving towards Balanchine. Um, uh, Tony, as you, uh, I'm sure you know that Clive James has argued, and, and this is again in the, in the Wikipedia entry, that there is a, a darker side to him. Um, James wrote, the great choreographer ruled the New York City ballet as a fiefdom with a droit de seigneur among his privileges. The older he became, the more consuming his love affairs with his young ballerinas. Uh, when ballerina Suzanne Farrell fell in love and married a young dancer, Balanchine dismissed her from the company, thereby injuring her career for a crucial decade. Is there any truth to James? Why would he write something so cruel? Yes, well, with all due respect to Mr. James, um, and uh, that is his opinion, um, I was there during all of that time, and... Uh, it, I, I can't go through all the details there, but I could, which is it wasn't like that. Um, people, um, uh, and Clive James was not there. Did he have uh, physical there, relationships? I lived there. That was my home, and Clive James wasn't there to see it. Right, but, did, uh, but did Balanchine have sexual relationships with some of his dancers, or was that... Oh, absolutely. He had five ballerina wives. This is not a secret. Yes, he, had, he married five of his ballerinas and probably had love affairs with many in between. Absolutely. But um, this is not a crime. This is a man who loved women like so much in every way, but mostly in making us more beautiful than we were and creating an art form that celebrates female freedom, female beauty, female uh, camaraderie. I mean, this is what his life was, life's work was about. Do you think he would have survived in the, the Me Too movement? Do you think he might have been outed one way or the other? Well, um, I really kind of doubt it. All I can say, and I've thought about this and talked with some of my peers about it, which is that to this day, Valentin died in 1983, going on uh, almost 40 years. And aside from um, Mr. James and uh, one or two um, other uh I won't name them, but uh, somewhat notorious and very um, emotionally damaged dancers. Um, uh, there hasn't been a peep from a single Balanchine dancer that he did anything like that. Um, we all really loved him. You see, this was a unique. I don't think any of that could exist now. The money wouldn't be there. I, I mean, our culture now is different. This was, you know, uh, within my lifetime, but it was a time ago. Um, we adored him. And the fact that he was a man, the fact that he did, of course, have power over our careers, this was how he made his great art. Now, some other man in that position, of course, might abuse his power. Balanchine was a European gentleman. 
As I mentioned, uh, Tony, you've written a number of books. One, uh, uh, many of them have been successful. One, the, the Surrender, an erotic memoir, actually got on a good list uh, on the New York Times top erotic covers. We had a couple of the other authors on the show recently, both Jeanette Winterson and Nicholson Baker. Is there an erotic quality to, um, to ballet? Is it just coincidental or is it somehow um, somehow knitted into the very fabric of the art? Yes, it's physical. It's physical. Um, it involves uh, young, beautiful bodies in fantastic shape, the way gymnasts, Olympic people, you know, are skaters, etc. We're in fantastic shape with extremely good training. But what I would say particularly about Balanchine, and he, like the way he would you know, explain his ballets, he never spoke of this. But if you look at the range of his ballets, including many of the Stravinsky ballets, there is a very strong erotic component to it. Because Balanchine's life was about the adoration of women. You know, he didn't consider men and women to be equal. He considered women to be on a pedestal and that men were not, woman was the queen, but man was not the king. Man was the consort. She, he was her helper. He celebrated women being up high on a pedestal. Quite an old fashioned idea, I suppose now. But, um, uh, and there's a very, I mean, you put music and beautiful dancers on a stage and then his choreography, um, it's a very sensual, it's a sensual spiritual experience, which uh, of course, you know, it's a different subject, but great sex, I, I would, um, proper would be the same thing. Um, what about the, the male dancers then? Are they, <laughs> are they just, uh, to use the term, appendages to the women? Well, um, uh, Balanchine got, used to get some flack that his male dancers were somewhat secondary because, of course, they do partner us. But also, you know, there's a there's a every time people want to pigeonhole a a great artist like Balanchine, you could pick any of them. I'm sure there's terrible things said somewhere about Stravinsky or Shakespeare and Bach and Mozart. They all did some terrible things. Some, you know, maybe some did, maybe some didn't. But there's always critics there to to point that out. Um, not that Balanchine was a saint. He very much said to us, I am not a god. We all saw him as a god, especially in his later years. He, oh, he said, you know, when I pull the toilet chain, it's for the same reason as you. He did not want to be a god to us, but it was inevitable that we saw him that way. Um, uh, so uh, remind me what your question was. I was just trying to make that point. Uh, my, my, my question was... Oh, the men, male dancers. Yes. Male dancers. You've already forgotten them, Tony. They're, they're, yes, they're I know. Them. I know. Well, you see, I was brought up in Balanchine's book. No, Balanchine famous has um, his ballets, Prodigal Son, Apollo, Square Dance, and many, many others have some of the most beautiful, significant choreography for male dancers that exists. Um, what has always been harder and still is, though less so, is to get good male dancers. There's, for every good male dancer, um, that you, you've got, you know, probably many thousands of little girls vying for the same place as a female dancer. Uh, Balanchine brought many of his dancers in my years from Denmark, um, because he loved the Born and Bill training and they were, they had the sort of gentlemanly, not, not a big star kind of ego attitude on stage. 
Um, so, and, and all I can say is that male dancers, you know, Rishnikov wanted to dance for him. Nureyev wanted to dance for him. Everyone wanted to dance for him. Rishnikov got the chance. He danced in the company when I was there. Um, uh, and Nureyev, Mr. B famously said to Nureyev, when you are tired of playing the prince, come back. And Nureyev, of course, never did. Um, I adore Nureyev, but he was a, you know, he was a star dancer. It was all about him. Fascinating yeah. stuff. A wonderful story, wonderful book, Serenade, The Balanchine Story by Tony Bentley, who not only danced for Balanchine, but also uh, is a big admirer of him and, uh, and a very distinguished writer. This is, I think, her sixth book. Um, I know, uh, Tony, that you're a big fan of the history. Um, there's a history, uh, Apollo's Angels, A History of Ballet by Jennifer Homans, you did a wonderful review from the New York Times 10 years ago. Are there other books on ballet that you would suggest people read as a kind of introduction? Well, um, uh, not to plug any others would say, my very first book is titled Winter Season, A Dancer's Journal. And I wrote that when I was 22, while I was still dancing for Balanchine. And that I considered to be at sort of at this point, 40 years later, a companion book to my current one. Um, and it's considered a, sort of a classic story of a, a young dancer, it could be any young dancer, and the sort of struggles of, about dancing. Um, uh, Tamara Karsavina, great Russian ballerina, wrote a beautiful book called Theater Street. Um, there is great criticism by the great Edwin Denby and Arlene Croce. Um, and there's many, um, on New York City Ballet, specifically Lincoln Kirstein is the, the best overall writer. And he was the one who brought or, or financed at least much of the, the Balanchine uh, uh, theater, right? Well, it was Lincoln Kirstein who brought Balanchine to America. Yes, yes. And changing the art form and ballet, he brought ballet to America in doing so, yes. Well, it's great stuff, and it's nice to take our mind off the real world for a few minutes. Serenade, a Balanchine story by Tony Bentley. Congratulations, Tony, on the on the book. Finally, I'm asking everyone this. I haven't asked uh, someone from the, the world of ballet yet. Uh, Tony Bentley, uh, on uh, April 23rd, 2022, who runs the world? Who's in charge these days? Um, all the wrong people. And the wrong gender, which, of course, is, you know, been going on since Adam and Eve, and I don't expect it to change. <laughs>